0: Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy, Kevin Luco. And this week, Kevin and I are honored to welcome back to the show a, fa- a favorite of ours, former, I guess I should say, Cleveland and Railroaders outfielder Zach Narrier. Zach, thanks for joining Kevin and I tonight.
1: Uh, thank you for the opportunity. It's always a pleasure to be on. Uh, yeah, thanks for having Thanks for having me. Sure. Uh,
0: so I'm going to start out by just saying I hate using the term former with you, but, but I understand there's a, a different phase of life you're moving on to here.
1: Yeah, you know, it still hasn't fully set in. I think once guys are showing up for spring training, it'll hit me a little bit harder. But, yeah, unfortunately, you know, my time's come. And, you know, Cleveland was so good to me for the time that I was there, as was the league. And um, I loved it and enjoyed it. And, like I said, I was telling you uh, before we hopped on this official interview, it's, it's I love to play forever. But, you know, it's that's the thing with sports. No matter who you are, how – however your career is going, at some point the game's going to keep going on and, you know, you're not going to be able to. So it was just it – was, it was time for me to move on. And, and, you know, now I get to see it in a different capacity. And I look forward to going and supporting some of my old teammates and, and uh, watching from the stands sometimes. Tell me a little bit about the process for you
0: personally about deciding. How do you move from I'm going to go on to another season to, okay, it's just time to, to, to move on to the next stage?
2: um
1: you know i kind of i thought it would be clearer sooner you know i did not think i would play independent baseball for i don't know what it was five or six years um after i was released um but you know every player you know that's in this association or in the american association i would hope has dreams of still playing in the big leagues and moving on and moving up with an organization. But um, you know, sometimes that window closes and for me kind of that's just what happened. I hadn't heard from an organization over a year and um, you know when that window started closing and you know I was getting excited about other aspects of life and just kind of knew it 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 was getting closer to that time and you know it doesn't make it necessarily easy, but it just I had some peace in the situation and uh, I don't know just it just felt like it was right this last year it would be uh, instead of an off season it would be you know uh post career so this is my first official not off season and it's definitely weird not training for next season but just felt uh, right and feel like time felt like time
0: when you're thinking about this what what did you already have a very clear picture of what you wanted to do with yourself
1: like like when and when did that materialize for you um, You know, I knew I wanted to be in some sort of field where I was working with people, you know, and, and and similar to when I was on the game, I got to interact with all the fans in Cleburne and all the fans across the league in different stadiums, whether it be kids or parents or just fans or whatever. And, you know, it, there, there's a... There's a huge value um, that comes with pouring into people, and I' from a young age, I had a lot of people you know help me along the way and teach me right from wrong and kind of share wisdom with me and I've had the opportunity to do that in baseball and other aspects of life as well. So I knew I wanted to be working with people um, on a regular basis, whether that's real estate managing accounts, some sort of sales, and the company I'm working with novice um, it's a clothing brand. we make uh, corporate apparel and team apparel for um, any business, and then also any sport, um, from travel ball all the way up to pro ball, and it kind of just organically happened. So I didn't, I didn't necessarily know that I was going to be involved. And one of my buddies who played with the Rockies had been working with this company for a few years and kept telling me, "Hey, man, you got to check out this company. It's awesome. It's founded on Jameson Twelve. All the people are good. The quality is really good. The gear is nice. We get to work with coaches a lot. Stay involved in the game, and you're, you know, helping people get decked out in nice gear." So. It kind of just a window of opportunity open for me. At the same time, I was getting back from Mexico um, this past November, and you know, I kind of just stepped into a part-time role, and then had the doors open to a full-time role, and it just was really easy, and just gave me a lot of peace about you know not returning to the game. So it just made that transition a little bit easier. And um, yeah, I mean, the sales aspect of it, like any part of selling, it's competitive. You know, you're trying to sell a product and um, I mean, this one specifically, like I said, I get to talk with coaches and athletic directors and players, and, you know, and I'm a huge fan of gear. Who doesn't like to wear some cool gear, clothes, and you're on or off the field. So it's it's a cool uh, cool little spot I found myself in, and
2: I think it was supposed to be that way. So, <laughs> Was there any moment in the 2023 season where you thought to yourself, this might just be it for me? And was it a, one particular thing that happened or is it just a gradual process as you're not getting calls from major league ball clubs that you're starting to look ahead even as you're um, still playing? I,
1: yeah, I would say both because the last few years, like I said initially, I didn't imagine myself being in any ball for five or six years. And not that that's a knock on anybody for doing that. I mean, I did it. But it's it's you, you find yourself in that hamster wheel situation where you're trying to, you know, excel in and get that opportunity to get back into affiliated ball. And when it doesn't come, you just kind of feel stuck. And, you know, playing for the love of the game, obviously, and I've loved this since I was a little kid, but you still do want that opportunity, especially when you're getting older. I'm into my 30s now, just turned 31, and, you know, it's it's just not as realistic to get an opportunity in affiliated ball. So although I was getting better each season, I felt um, didn't get that opportunity. But the last couple of years going into the season, I was like, you know what? If this season doesn't go well or or there's no life in the tunnel, no teams are reaching out to me, you know, this might be it. But up until this past summer, there was either a team that I would have been talking to like, Hey, we need somebody to get hurt or, you know, we need a spot to open up or whatever it may be, or I was just playing better and better. So I was like, well, I don't have something staring me in the face saying I shouldn't be here. I felt like that was where I was supposed to be. And I had opportunities to still pour into people and, and compete at a high level. So, I feel like I'm going to keep doing that. And then this season, I think, you know, not hearing from anybody, um, the season started off really well. First half's good. We kind of had a skid there towards the end and got into playoffs. And, I don't know, I scuffled a little bit. But over the course of the season, there were times where I just saw myself, and you hear it kind of cliche, people saying, oh, like, you know, enjoy the moment, be where you're at, and you know, like take it all in. But I saw myself doing that time and time again, no matter where we were playing, whether it was at Cleburne's, you know, I Gary, Lake Country, Chicago, wherever I was, I felt like I, I got a moment no matter uh, which game we were in and just kind of, like, took it all in. And it just felt a little different as the season went on. And then, you know, towards the end of the season, um, last regular season game, my last at-bat, I hit a home run. And then in the postseason, we were facing elimination against Chicago. Last at-bat, I ended up hitting a three-run home run. And, like, I, not that that is, like, okay, you can just stop playing now. But it was, like, almost like, God was like, hey, you're okay. Like, you're going you're gonna to do this cool thing. You know, give me the glory, but, like, you're okay. You, you've given it up to the game. And then I also went down to Mexico. And I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. It's just a cool story. Went down to Mexico. They needed an outfielder on short notice. I was planning on maybe going the second half, so I hadn't been training these few weeks up before the first half. Went down there, played for two and a half weeks because they needed an outfielder on short notice. And the last game I played in winter ball, I hit a home run it was the only hit that whole game and the only other base runner was me walking in the ninth inning so it was just like I don't know it was like but going into that game I was like if, if I hit a home run tonight I just I for sure have peace and that's just it is what it is I'm like I don't need to play anymore and then I hit a home run my first at bat in a 3 one count I'm like okay this is this is good I'm done <laughs>
2: Well, that is a bit of a storybook ending. But do you feel cheated that you didn't get the Zach Naryer retirement tour throughout the league, where, you know, like Lake Country would have gave you a new boat and Milwaukee would have gave you I don't know cheese or something? Do you feel cheated <laughs> on that part? No,
1: I don't feel cheated on anything. I think
2: I think there's been
1: enough. You know. Um, and, and, you know, uh, just icing on the cake with certain things. Like, I got to do the Homer Derby, never dead in one, just wanted to get through the first round, ended up winning the whole thing. You know, it's just like I didn't expect that. You know, I knew I was capable, but I uh, ended up being able to do that. I, I got to win a championship in 2020 for Milwaukee, I got to play with a bunch of great players and make a bunch of great relationships. And although that would have been cool, I'm not Albert Pujols or Miguel Cabrera, so I don't expect people to <laughs> hand me gifts after playing them for the last time. <laughs> You know, I'm
0: curious from you, Zach, uh, how long do you think it took Brad Allred sobbing over his computer to type out a message about you retiring before he finally
1: got it out?
2: Um,
1: I don't know. That's a good question. You had to ask Brad for that one, but you know, I, it, it, I, I wasn't going to make a, like, I guess I would have had to make a formal announcement sooner or later, but um you know, I, I didn't want to make a big ordeal of it, so I just posted a small video, and there's a lot of people I still need to thank, the Cleburne faithful included, and I'll, I'm sure I'll do something with Cleburne and, and um, you know, thank them a little more personally. But, yeah, Brad, he, he holds a special place in my heart just because he's, you know, brought me in like I was family from day one, you know, to, to, him and his family treated me like I was their blood uh, from my first day in Cleburne, and, and he really, really does care. You know, he bleeds... Um, you know, Cleaver and red and blue, you know, he, that's his big leagues. And he cares about those guys, not just as a broadcaster, but he truly cares about those guys in this league. So, you know, we, we've obviously grown close since 2019 and he, he wanted me to come back and we had a few conversations and it was just, uh, it was just time. So he, uh, yeah, that was a nice, uh, nice um, message. He uh, posted for me on Facebook and very, uh, very heartfelt. So. It was it was good and, and very appreciated. But yeah, hopefully no actual tears, but you know, maybe they'll be shed one day or another.
0: So talk to us a little bit about your personal highlights from your time, not not just in an American association, but your just time in baseball. What are things that really stand out to you now looking back?
1: Um things that stand out looking back just all across the board. Um Absolutely. For a start um, just how powerful your mind is. And, you know, a lot of people talk about it and a lot of people talk about the mental game, but a lot of people are able to say, hey, the game's 90% mental and 50% physical or whatever that Yogi Bear quote is, half mental, 90% mental and half physical, whatever it is. Um, but there's not a lot of people that actually know how to teach it. So as you're going through and you're trying to find out um, and you're trying to find out um, what actually is going to help you and help you excel and grow and be better season over season, it's cool to kind of pick things up from uh, other people along the way. And, um, yeah, to speak to that, like, not putting yourself in a box. Not putting yourself in a box. um, And, like, limiting what you can do. Because, you know, initially when I first got into pro ball, I was kind of like, oh, you know, I know I can play with these guys. I'm not fully sure if I can compete at the highest level. And, like, you kind of do something. You have a four-for-four game. You're like, oh, yeah, I can play here. But once you really start to open up, like, opportunities and start going, why not me, that's when you really start getting into what you're actually capable of. So, you know, over the course of my pro career, I got better at doing that, better at wanting that fifth at-bat in the game when you're 0 for 4, 3 strikeouts. Because I don't care what any player tells you. At some point in their career, or still, a lot of them do not want that fifth at-bat when they're 0 for 4, 3 strikeouts, if they're up fourth or fifth. They're like, all right, I hope these guys, 1, 2, 3, and let's get out of here, let's go home, you know, let the showers. But, you know, towards the end, I finally started wanting that at-bat and was able to do some cool things in cool situations because I knew, you know, it's just another at-bat. You know, you don't make the moment bigger than it is, but, um, so yeah, growing from a mental standpoint, getting through all the adversity, um, just having an opportunity to play with players like Danzy Swanson and other guys that have played in the big leagues. Um, and you just see how they go about their day and you see where they are now. And, you know, just, there's certain things that make sense with that. You know, very guys that are meticulous in their routine and how they go about their business. And I don't know, experience wise, um, it'll sound cliche, but you know, you don't remember, you don't remember every hit or all the average and, and all the staff that everybody puts up, but you remember the person. So I'm really grateful for all the relationships I was able to build. And, you know, whether it's guys that were my enemy and then ended up being my friend like Edwin Arroyo or, or other guys, or even I was talking to Lidge and, and Altman recently, you know, it's just like you compete against these guys and on the field, you guys are like enemies or, you know, competing against each other, but then off the field, you just create these really good relationships. So, Oh no, those are the things that are gonna stand out to me most, all the connections I've made and, and the people I've got to meet and the places I've got to go. So um, I don't know. That's that's that, that was cool. That was cool for me.
0: How does it feel to you to know that you have helped to really build Cleburne into quite a, a franchise out there? Not not just, you know, in, in the community itself, but one of the most competitive teams in the league.
1: Um, it feels pretty good. I mean, I, I would say I'm just a piece of that. You know, I mean, it's, 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 you got to have everything, you know, you got to have pitching, defense and hitting and you got to put it all together. And I think that's the reason maybe we haven't won a championship there because I think we've had all the pieces, different seasons, but you're not fired on all cylinders. Once you get into the playoffs, you know, the hottest team's going to win, and you know, whoever's gaining momentum. So there's a little bit of timing to it also. So, I mean, there's a lot of players that have contributed and a lot of, a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into play in there. And, and a lot of people, at least the general public, don't understand how much of a battle it is because, I mean, even the last few seasons we didn't have sleeper buses, and our shortest trip, you know, in our division was 13 hours. And most of these trips are coming after a night game. So it's like you're sleeping sitting up on a bus after your body's hurt or you ripped your leg open sliding the second, you know, your shoulder's hurt because you got hit by a 94-mile fastball and you're trying to sleep sitting up and it's just – and you're on a bus, it's brutal, and then you get in, you know, late the next night, get one night of sleep, hopefully good, and then you got a three-game series, and you're back on a bus, so, I mean, not to say that the travel's worse than anywhere else in the league, but I'm pretty sure the travel's worse than anywhere else in the league. If Lincoln and, you know, maybe a couple other teams were in our division, like it was a few years ago, it'd be a little easier, but for whatever reason, we were in the East, or, you know, Cleveland got pushed over to the East, and um, I made the travel really, really difficult, so... I don't know, not to say that it's easier for other people, but that travel is something serious, and I think it wears on guys. And also playing in the hottest environment in the entire league on turf, like it definitely adds up over the course of the season. So the guys that are in that clubhouse are scratching and clawing and and pushing with everything they've got. And you can see it as a player in that clubhouse every day, especially late in the season. So. It comes really important, and, you know, I'm very proud to be part of that team and that organization that has, you know, put their name on the map and made themselves a contender year over year after having a little bit of a rough start coming into the organization.
2: You know, you bring it up, and and oftentimes when we're talking about a big series coming up in Cleburne, we mention, well, Chicago's got to go down to Cleaver, and as hot as it is down there, it's going to be a – big advantage for Cleburne was it really that much an advantage can you really truly get used to that heat or were we just kind of off on thinking that it's tough because I think mentally you do I
1: think everyone that comes in you know turf is harder than grass and um guys they feel it you know when you play on turf at the end of the three game series like oh my knees and back my ankles i do not you guys do this like whatever you get used to it so i think it does give you a little bit of an upper hand in the heat i think it's less getting used to it especially this past summer i'm pretty sure it was the hottest summer in 13 years it was like 112 every day it <laughs> felt so like but um the uh yeah, I think it's just from a mental standpoint. You learn how to manage the load a little bit more, you know, take BP on field, maybe a little less on those hot days, just getting the cage, make sure you're getting treatment or getting your ice baths in and making sure you get your, you know, body ready to go, um, without too much exertion outside. So you save that energy you have for the game. But I mean that heat along with the travel, you learn what you need to do in order to be ready. But yeah, I would say it gives you a little bit of an advantage, just just a little bit, because, I mean, same thing I was saying for us traveling. When a team comes down to face us, you know, they usually come down one time, they get that whole week, but they, like, the starting pitcher for that next day, they dread it. Like, sometimes they'll be flying down two days before, if they, you know, they don't have a start, like, to get themselves acclimated and not have an overnight bus trip before they come down. I know a lot of teams started flying. So it definitely, definitely changes and I think plays into it a little bit. Now, you began your American
0: Association career in Wichita. Josh Robertson lures you there, and um, then you, you know, kind of followed down there and, and just stayed with the Railroaders as that was going along. Um, what what has been like your thoughts on American Association over time and, and how the league has developed and being a part of that development? Um,
1: I think it's grown a lot over the last few years, um, especially just – because the issues that have gone on with the rest of the league, uh, or not the rest of the league—I'm sorry—there's been like some stuff with Major League Baseball, and um, it's made it easier for—it's made it easier, sorry, high wife—it's <laughs> made it easier for some um, for you know like the American Association to have a niche to get in. I mean, you can't—you can't go to a Cubs game, and I mean, you might catch you know a big leaguer talking to fans on the side, but. You, you have that in the American Association. You have those relationships with the players um, as a fan, and you get to be involved. And, you know, the teams do a good job, and the league does a good job about making that, you know, integrated very well. And, you know, it's for the love of the game. and I don't know. It, it's, it's been cool to see it grow over the last few years. It really has. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much talent actually in that league. Uh, it's It's – even gotten better because, even I don't know if you guys knew this offseason, they lowered the amount of um, players in each organization by I think 20 or 25. So there's going to be even a bigger influx of good talent from double AA, A, triple A guys that clocks just kind of run out and they say, hey, we need to make room for the younger guys. So there's going to be even more talent coming into the AA. And I, like, I know people understand it's good baseball, but I don't think they really get how good it is. So I think. With the minor leagues getting smaller, the AA's talent pool has only grown, and the league's done a pretty good job um, growing the game and partnering with other organizations and you know marketing it. So it, it's been it's been uh, cool to be a part of it and kind of watch it grow. Not that I thought it was small in Wichita, but I just think there's more uh, there's more. don't know the words out there more does that make sense like more people know about all the teams in the league i would say and you can see teams that are trying to work hard to upgrade their organization to try and match what the norm in the league is or what the average in the league is that way they can compete you know i know all these teams want to host the all-star game but it's almost like there's a certain precedent you have to have and set before you're able to do so and i don't know it's been it's been cool um what, what did you started. He you said, Josh Robertson lured me to Wichita. Is that how you open that? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Is that what he <laughs> says happened?
2: Or are you just <laughs> saying that?
0: I'm just saying that.
1: Does that, that, that right, do I you have a different take on that? <laughs> a little bit. I was, uh, I called that guy a few times before he, I got that contract and got an opportunity to go there. But after I got released, I had a really bad, uh, 2018 or 2017 year I got released. Um, and just struggled, just overhauled my swing when I did not need to and, and uh, created a problem where there didn't need to be one and got released quick and then didn't play the reverse. The next year, trying to get a baseball job was almost impossible. So Brent Dean, who had played in Wichita a little bit, and Austin Boyle, who played in Wichita, they obviously knew me. I played a high school ball at Austin, and I played in a three-game exhibition series. and. Um, the Inland Empire, actually, at the Angels Mayer Lake Stadium, the Inland Empire 66ers with Brent Dean. for a three-game series against some Korean big league team, some KBO team, and I did really well. So they they recommended me to Josh, and I hit him up a little bit, and then finally we got to talking, and I was able to get there. But I was fighting for that spot in the AA. I got denied from Frontier League and a couple other leagues, but, yeah, Josh gave me the opportunity. So very grateful for him, but I had to, I had to fight for it. <laughs> Well, he was smart. He wasn't
0: letting you get away for that long. So, cause he became such a huge part of that team when you joined.
1: Yeah, no, he was good to me and I got a good opportunity to get down to Texas and, and play for him there as well. So love that guy. Wish him nothing but the best as well.
0: Now looking at, you were talking about Ryan Lidge earlier on, both of you retiring this season, um, the league's going to look quite a bit different next year. So what, what are your thoughts about Cleburne as, you, as you're kind of stepping away and, and, you know, where this direction of this club is going right now?
1: I think uh, I think Pete Incavelia knows what he's doing because I'm pretty sure he's won where he's been and he, you know, he's been managing for a long time. I don't know his track record, but I've heard he's won. Um, I think in the Frontier League and also maybe the Atlantic League. So he clearly knows what he's doing. He knows the game. He played at a high level. Um, I think he's going to bring a lot of good players into spring training, and the guys that do well are going to stick around, and I think his team's going to be competitive, so it's just um, you know, getting that good product out on the field and making sure it can compete with all the others at a high level, and I think they will. Um, as far as the rest of the league, it's going to look very different. I mean, I saw Altman just got dealt to Lake Country, and also Ryan Hernandez is there. They might combine for 70 home runs. <laughs> Who knows? But they uh, they look like they're sneakily putting together a pretty good team as well. Um but, yeah, I think it's going to look a little different. I think uh, I think people are going to be surprised. I think not, not that all the teams in the American Association didn't already beat up on each other, but I think there's going to be a lot more of that this year as well, a lot of back and forth, uh, you know, blows going left and right, you know, big series here, team sweeps looks like a powerhouse, and then the next series they play another team, and then they lose two or three there. I think it's going to be uh, a lot more evenly matched than people people uh, expect. But, who knows you know we still have to get through spring training and see what ends up happening but i know there's been a lot of displaced players and some players leaving so it'll be definitely a different look for sure
2: any thoughts on your skipper from last year logan watkins trying to get winnipeg back into prominence again
1: i think it'll be good to see him when they open up in Cleburne, since i'm not too far i uh, looking forward if i can drive down there and uh and visit with him, that'll be a fun series to watch and uh, at least get down there for a game. But I think it'll be different. I mean, you know, he's a little displaced, going to be all the way up there in Winnipeg. It'll be a different stuff for him. But, you know, Winnipeg is a first-class organization. they got a beautiful field and good operation going there. And, you know, he's he's always done a really good job um, with player procurement. So I'm confident he's going to put a really good competitive team together as well. Um, And, you know, I look forward to seeing how they do. But yeah, I'm sure that'll be an adjustment being up there for
0: him. Well, Zach, we, Kevin and I greatly appreciate you uh, joining us here tonight. Before we jump into the final thought, I, I, I did just want to share one thing with you personally is, and that is, um, in your time in Wichita, I, I remember that first year that you and I had had some like minor interactions with each other. Um, never really sat down and talked, but I, I, wanted to say, I, I appreciated that you always made me feel unbelievably welcome. I'm never going to forget. I hadn't seen you in like 40 or 50 days or something. And you saw me walking toward the locker room. Like, Hey Rob, how are you doing? Kind of thinking it. I gave you a double take for a moment. Like he's talking to me, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> uh, uh, why is that? And, uh, And I just always appreciated you. You've always made yourself available to myself and to Kevin here on the show. And the both of us want to say thank you for all that you have done for the league
1: and for us personally. Uh, I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to kind of what I was saying about people, you know, people. I had a lot of good people in my life, you know, do do the same to me and kind of show me right from wrong and treat me well. So they made it easy for me to kind of uh, be good to others and, and just lead with, you know, my heart caring for people so it's it's you know easy and it's a shame not more people are like that i would say not to paint myself in the perfect light because i'm not perfect i'm far from it but it's it's you know people just need to be kind to each other it's it just comes down to that simple but yeah always a pleasure talking to you and uh grateful for the opportunities whether it's just you or both of you you know if you guys ever need a there's ever a you know big series coming up and you need someone to talk some baseball with you you don't have anybody give me a call I'd be happy to hop on and uh, talk some matchups and stuff
0: well we greatly appreciate that so with that in mind with, I know you got a great final final thought for us here on the shelf so the floor is yours there Zach
1: oh just whatever I want
0: whatever you'd like to talk about
1: yes sir oh interesting Oh, I thought you were, I thought final thought. Okay. Uh, just whatever I got. Uh, Um, I don't know. I kind of just shared it, I guess. Just be good to each other. You know, everybody out there that ends up listening to this, be good to each other. Life's too short. You know, there's a lot of people hurting that you don't see every day and, and perspective is everything. So, you know, it's, it's your situation's never as bad as you think it is. And, you know, be grateful for what you have before you're too worried about not having something, you know, so count what you got and, you know, keep working for the other stuff, but don't stress too much about it. Take it all one day at a time. That's probably all I That's beautiful. Zach Narrier, thanks for
0: joining Kevin and I tonight. Yeah, thanks for doing this. It was, a
1: pl- it was a pleasure. Yeah, of course, of course.
0: Well, Kevin, great having Zach on and always been one of our favorite guys in the league.
2: Definitely going to miss the guy, you know, uh, especially, uh, but I think the guys within the league, that are going to miss him the most are the guys that are in charge of putting together the video highlight reels because, boy, he really, um, he really had some web gems out there in the outfield, and I mean, his arm was second to none. Just a really, really complete ball player. And I think, the, I think the guys that put the highlight packages together are going to miss him more than anybody else. Yeah,
0: you know, it's, it's funny you mention that too, Kevin, because if you think about it. There are so many players that have come across this league and you'll have a memory of them for, it was a big hit. Um, they were a big power hitter or something like that. But I can think of like four or five big memories that I have from Zach Neri in abundant different ways. Like he's talking about great arm, throwing guys out, great fielding, making a huge play, that home run derby where he winds up winning, plus some huge hits that he's had, That that championship series in Milwaukee, the way he was hitting. I mean, just a a great all-around player and and great all-around guy, too. So greatly missed within the league. Tough that we're going to not have him in this season.
2: I'm glad you mentioned that in the championship series in 2020 because he battled it all year at the plate and just never really got going. But, you know, he was able to block all that out, and he went and had an excellent championship series and garnered the MVP of the Miles Wolf Cup Finals
0: absolutely well deserved that year too well Kevin as he mentioned there were some some pretty interesting transactions this week and none bigger than Josh Altman traded the Lake country
2: no doubt about it and I know there are regulars that listen to the show that are especially the ones in Chicago that are pretty bitter right now but Jeff Eisen's no dummy and if he dealt somebody like Josh Altman, I can I don't want to say guarantee you because I am I'm not no genius as everyone that listens knows very well. But I can guarantee that he's got a plan for somebody that's gonna come in there and do maybe not just as well as Altman, but will be a very suitable replacement and then you gain a pretty good arm with Augie Voigt. So I know it hurts for Chicago Dog fans. Albin was a local boy and put up some really good numbers and carried it on to the, the Australian League over the winter, but you know, don't don't despair yet because I got a feeling that the story has not completely been told yet.
0: Yeah, the interesting part fans gotta consider out there is is that you only have so much money you can spend on vets and you only have so many vets you can take. And Josh Altman was well-deserving of, of probably a, a, a max deal in Chicago. But if there's a guy that they have that um, they can bring in who would they think is just as good as Josh or at least can provide that same kind of offensive power for the team, well, then you got to figure out how you work that roster. And so um, it's a shocker that a Chicago guy like that got traded. But I, I'm sure that there is quite a wise move out there, and the dogs always seem to find a way to find that guy that winds up having the potent bat for them.
2: And he got traded to Lake Country, Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. It sounds like he got traded halfway across the country. So even though he's not going to be in right in Chicago anymore, it's not like he's going to be all that far away either. Absolutely.
0: We're looking around at a couple of other moves out there, Kevin, related to these guys here. So Chicago, besides trading Altman, they do get Augie Voigt, which had a solid arm for Lake Country last season. They do bring in uh, right-handed pitcher John Baker from New Jersey. Um, I don't know much about John Baker, but I'm sure we're going to learn a lot about, about him as things are going along. Uh, they also re-sign right-handed pitcher Stephen Lacey, who would, have quite, had quite the conclusion to the season last year to help these dogs reach a championship series.
2: He was a uh, surprising arm, you know, not so heralded among the all the dogs hurlers that had major league experience, but he came in and did an excellent job and was thrown into some pretty difficult situations. You know, getting back to Jeff Isom, keep in mind he just managed in Joliet. So you could see Isom bring in a lot of guys that he either managed in Joliet or guys he managed against that he's got a pretty good book on there looking for a change of scenery so you know i i know i feel like i'm giving a ted talk to chicago dogs fans here but (laughs) i just i think you're gonna see a pretty good influx of players that are gonna do a very good job for this dogs team and you combine that with the guys that have played for them that are coming back i I think you're you're going to look at a Chicago Dogs team that's going to be right in the middle of things again.
0: Yeah, and I think if you're worried about, you know, a Frontier League guy replacing a Josh Altman, maybe four or five years ago that would have been a fairly legitimate concern. They were probably a step below the American Association, but with the combination of bringing in Can-Am League teams into the Frontier League and the way that they've adjusted their roster roles, there are some incredible players in that league, and, very talented guy. So if he's able to get a premier guy from the Frontier League to come in, you're probably looking at a guy who's gonna have a similar season in the American Association. So um nobody should feel like there's any kind of disrespect in the move going out there because it's gonna wind up being something that's fruitful for the dogs. So great park to hit in, by the way, Kevin, too. So you gotta feel pretty good Not about Not too going bad from to what I hear. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely Lake Country also signs right-handed pitcher John Zawanda. I'm going to add him in there. And they bring in right-handed pitcher Sterling Sharp, Uh, not the football player, by the way. Um, And uh, Fargo, they trade Tristan Rorick uh, to Ottawa. Also signed right-handed pitcher Carlos Ocampo. And uh, that was it for Fargo. Oh, no, Manny Boscon, I believe we talked about last week. We did. Yes, we did mention him. Okay, thanks, Kevin, clarifying. Uh, Sioux Falls, Kevin, re signs uh, outfielder Wyatt Ulrich and right-handed pitcher Mitchell, Mitchell Walters, two of the guys that are key players for Sioux Falls and their success last
2: season. Walters developed into a quality starter with that team. Um, Wyatt Ulrich, once again, was just a catalyst in that lineup. And I believe there's um, his first names escaped me at the time, but I'm sure you got your computer in front of you, unlike me. I'm um, done uh, Dunaway that. Pitched well for the canaries in 2022 and he was also signed so i think um as tanner hoops was talking about when he was on us a couple weeks ago the 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 band's getting back together
0: absolutely but mike myers no dummy and he knows who's going to help him get back to the position they want to be in so um as if the moves didn't get exciting enough this week let's turn to milwaukee where they signed catcher oscar santos outfielder brett Rod- brett rodriguez but none bigger signing than greg minnie a return to the american association uh, was an absolute stud for lincoln a couple of years just didn't get any offensive help should get some support in milwaukee this year though
2: kevin i think it'd be a good fit for him um, and also I Menier's a guy that we've uh, we've counted on a few times to come on the show so i'm i'm happy to have him back in the league again he's always been a quality pitcher and He'll be an excellent addition to the milkman and to the league.
0: And to the, this week in the association, who as he will be joining Kevin and I next week to uh, talk about returning.
2: Uh, I mean, they we also didn't signed do right to get him back in the league. So just to uh, clear <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly right. They
0: also signed right into pitcher Tanaj Thomas. I hope I'm saying that right. So Mr. Thomas, my apologies if I, Am saying that name incorrect. I know you'll correct me somewhere along the way here this season and, and get me right. Uh, Cleveland signs outfielder. Uh, me, outfielder Jacob Goldfarb, right-handed pitcher Hunter Hoops, and right-handed pitcher Tanner Riley uh, to the team this season. And one other move: uh, Sioux City signs Jaseel Cruz, right-handed pitcher. Uh, Winnipeg signs right-handed pitcher Justin Courtney, and. Kansas City signs right-handed pitcher Jeffrey Delarosa. Del Del Rosario, excuse me. I'm sorry about that. And I believe that is all of our transactions for this week, Kevin.
2: But they are starting to roll in, so you know it's getting to be into that exciting part of the preseason where we're actually seeing some names coming to teams now. And you know, I know guys, as I was a when I was a St. Paul Saints fan when they were in the league. This was always exciting for me because when I'd see a player get signed and it was someone that had not been with the Saints before boy the, the first thing I was doing I was digging in and finding out his stats where he's from how much experience he's had what kind of numbers he put up what's the highest level of baseball he got to so you know to me that, that this is an exciting part of the of the what's just called preseason yeah, growing
0: up as a Major League Baseball fan, and I loved pulling out the Sporting News or USA Today when they would have transactions that were going on, and every day you're looking to see who's the big new deal that's coming out. Now I get to watch this from the other side, um, not as a, just a fan watching, but how this directly impacts all the teams throughout the league when, when moves go on and how that changes the American Association for this upcoming season, and and wow, Um there have just been some great transactions. And we're just at the end of February where you haven't even gotten to Major League Baseball making a bunch of cuts yet. So uh, this next month is going to be very exciting. And I think we're going to see potentially the best season
2: we've seen in terms of pure talent. This this should be a fun year, Kevin, I think. So it's going to be a whole new crop of players for us to butcher their names. <laughs> Which I've done a pretty adequate job at doing that, so. Uh, Let's talk about transactions
0: and things going on around the other leagues out there. So in the frontier league, the boomers acquire the pitcher of the year from last season. Uh, That is Cole cook. Left-hander will be joining uh, the boomers this season. Uh, The Toronto blue Jays purchased a contract of Evan Elliott from the Ottawa Titans. So congratulations to him and an interesting tryout this year, which I I totally get uh, both, Quebec and Travivieras will be heading to France to have a tryout there. I think that's a that's a, a brilliant idea. I mean, just for the the hype and, and publicity about that, I, I think that's incredibly smart of those two teams to go do that,
2: Kevin. Yeah, you know, quite interesting. Man. You're tapping into a market that, well, let's face it, it's not like we're – seeing like a influx of players from France coming into the U S to play baseball. So be interested to see what they can find out there.
0: Absolutely. Heading to the Atlantic league, Sean Dunstan jr. uh, Returns to the stormers. Uh, if you're an older person like Kevin and myself, you know, Sean Dunstan senior's career pretty well after being a giant and cub for many years. So nice to see him continuing on in his career. Um, Hagerstown signs four, three former major leaguers: Yuri Perez, uh, Joe Palumbo, and a, a name for Susieek Wars fans out there that they remember as Parker Markle. I believe pitched for the team in 2018, and uh, he will be joining the Atlantic League this season. So that's some pretty big deals out there. And speaking of former uh, American Association people as well, Lexington names their two coaches for the season. Greg Zahn has become the manager for this year, and pitching coach Arthur Rhodes joining uh, out there after being the pitching coach for Cleveland, I believe, the last three seasons, Kevin. So um, Arthur continuing on in his career, and we, and we liked having him around, and uh, know he'll do a great job out there.
2: It's not like Arthur Rhodes to be um, going to, like, a lot of different teams. <laughs> yeah, ending, like? but didn't he have, like, 19 major league teams or something in his career? It was something crazy like he, that, I think. I think he had, uh, I think it was one time he may have had more hats than MLBshop.com. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think that there was a
0: battle between him and Jamie Moyer for a long time to see who had the record for the most teams they'd played with. And it shows you, if you're a lefty, Kevin, and you have any kind of a decent arm, you can stay around a long time and get a shot. So uh,
2: good, good for him. So, and fantastic. if you're playing immac- if you're playing immaculate grid and you get in a bind, just try to throw an Arthur Rhodes guess out there. And more times than not, you're going to be right. Absolutely.
0: Well, uh, Kevin, when we are getting into March, um, so uh, any anything that's kind of jumping out of you right now as you're getting ready for, I believe we I know we're under a hundred days now. I think we might even be approaching. Under nine, we got to be under 90, I think, too. So, um, man, but the season's getting close.
2: Uh, well, I just think we're going to see what we saw in the last week. and You know, that's more and more guys getting signed. And who knows, there's possibly going to be another blockbuster trade or two out there that will have us talking before the season begins. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, on that note, have us some shout-outs this week. My shout-out this week is going to go to um, someone we've had on the show and a good friend of ours, Randy Preston. Last week, Randy suffered an acute stroke, and it was caught in time when he got to the hospital that it left no no motor damage or any damage normally associated with a stroke Caught and recovered uh, well enough to re- he didn't end up missing the game doing his public address announcing for the Augustana Viking hockey team. So Randy was right back at the mic doing what he loved again, only days after having a stroke. If you haven't seen it yet, go to our This Week in the Association page. I did post the, the story that Dakota News Now did on Randy Preston. So pretty good read, and, you know, Randy's just – I mean guys just solid the earth and I'm hoping that now that he's been on the news, I hope there's not gonna be a cover charge to step into the his room at the bird cage. I mean he might have security at the door and might be a cover charge now. Now that now that he's big time.
0: Uh, well, we like that he's doing well out there. Um my shout out goes the opposite way, Kevin, because uh, my shout out is to my dog Jasmine who had a stroke herself last Wednesday, um, and lost all functioning in her back leg. She just could not walk anymore or get herself up anymore. So we had to wind up putting her to sleep. And, uh, it was, it was pretty sad, but, um, it, it was, it was nice to know that up until the end, she had a big smile on her face the entire time until that medication finally put her to sleep. and, And, uh, so she will be missed, and that's my shout-out of the week here this week, Kevin.
2: Yeah, there's nothing I can add on to that. You know, I've, at our house, we've dealt with it with three of them in the last few years, and it just, each time it never gets easier. So um, my thoughts with you and your family, because, you know, those that don't have pets, maybe you just don't realize, and those that do, you probably do, that, you know, those those pets are, they are what they are, they're family, and yeah. Losing a family member is just never an easy thing to recover from. You're absolutely
0: right about that, Kevin. So um, big shout out to the dog. Uh, Kevin and I once again want to thank Zach Nairier for joining us this week. Next week, as I mentioned, we will have Greg Minier joining back on the show and and, uh, talk about how he's continuing on with his career and exciting things going on with him. So for Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Panier. We'll see you next time on This Week in the Association.